am glad that they're going to have some time to recover after that intense workout. You guys, welcome. This is part four of our P90X series, and uh, today we are concluding this series, and we're talking about prayer and how uh, you and I have the ability to change our reality through prayer. If you've been with us over the last few weeks, you know uh, that we've been talking about, you know, what prayer is, what it's not, why we pray, how, how Jesus taught us to pray. Last week, we talked about developing a lifestyle of prayer, and so today is the conclusion of that. Today is the day where we kind of wrap the whole thing together because our hope is just like the kind of the theme of the p90x movement right now uh, is you know that i mean if you do something consistently over an extended period of time for 90 days for them uh, and by them i mean people who do p90x not me uh, but if you do it consistently then it has life-changing results and we believe that the spiritual discipline of prayer is the very same thing so the heart behind this series is that you and i would would feel more confident to develop a lifestyle of prayer so today is is part four of that, and today we're going to be talking about hindrances to prayer, those things that, uh, that can, can clog up, if you will, our pipeline between us and God. Now, um, I, I want to be honest with you, uh, there, is, uh, there is a particular vice that I have in my life, um, if I'm being honest, and, and it's, uh, it's, it's ice cream. I mean, I know we're doing like a whole like series built around a fitness thing. I just love milkshakes, man. Come on, any, come on. You're in church. True confession. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand right there. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you, sister. I mean, Arby's Jamocha. On. I mean, McDonald's like their chocolate shake. They they go. Wait for it. Hand spun. Strawberry at Chick-fil-A. Are you, are you kidding me? Dude, I mean, there, there's got to be a reason why God would want that restaurant closed on Sundays because he knows, man, he knows. He's like, listen, you can't take it seven days a week. You're only going to be able to eat hand-spun strawberries from Chick-fil-A six out of seven. That's me. But here's my issue, okay? At McDonald's, they have the big, thick straws, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you stick that, and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You put it down in there, you know, you get it in there, and you go, like that, and it, man, it's like a fluid flow. But at Chick-fil-A, for whatever reason, they got like the skinnier, the more narrow straws. Come on, somebody Twitter at Chick-fil-A and tell them, we want the big, fatty straws, man. You know why? Because when you're eating a hand-spun strawberry from Chick-fil-A, you're just, you know, you're just drinking along, and all of a sudden you get like a chunk of strawberries, like, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's like, and you're just like, what is going on? You need a whole Sunday to recover from getting the strawberry stuck in the straw. You're enjoying just the sweet nectar of heaven, and then all of a sudden something stops the flow. Well, prayer can be the same way. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Gosh, that's such a great illustration. And I'm like, if I can just get through the transition, I got it, I got it, I don't got it. <laughs> okay, ready? Transition take two. And in our relationship with God, it can feel the same way. <laughs> Whatever, take out your bulletins. Five hindrances to prayer. Things that can stop the flow between us and God. 
That's what we're talking about today because let's be honest, prayer with all of its amazing upsides, the truth is when it comes to something like prayer, a spiritual discipline like that, there are some, there are some temptations, there are some, some hindrances that we gotta, we gotta be careful of that can break the flow or, or that, that connection between us and God. And that's what I wanna talk about. The first one this morning I wanna talk about is this. Number one, obviously, honestly, is, is self-consciousness. Self-consciousness, I don't know about you, but I don't know if you've ever had this, this experience where you, know, you begin to, to you know, shut the phone off, shut the email off, whatever, and just you're like, okay, God, I'm going to spend some time with you. And then you start to feel like stupid. You kind of are like, I know it's just like me and you, but I, I don't know why, but I just like, I can't get past myself. Like there's this self-conscious, you know, thing, and you're like, well, I feel weird. I remember when I first uh, received Christ as a teenager that I was in a church where every Saturday night we'd have a prayer meeting. And so there would be, you know, several dozen people who'd come together in this, this little auditorium of our church, and we, people would be walking and praying and just praying out and talking to God. And I can remember sitting there as a teenager going, oh dear. You know, like feeling all self-conscious, going, man, what, what you know, I don't know. And I, will I look stupid? Well, you know, I might feel stupid, whatever. And I'm sure that every one of us have felt that. And see, that's something that can, that can hinder us in our times of prayer, our times with God. It's, it's not being able to get past ourselves. And guys, I'll just be honest with you. I'm not sure that there's some magic pill we can take where we wake up one day and be like, oh, I just, I got it now. No, no, listen, I think this is just one of those that we have to push past. Just like in marriage, men, you know this. Listen, if you don't push yourself out, if you don't go and force yourself to, to talk to your wife and, and relate to your spouse, and you just, you know, if, if all you do is just come in and just sit in the chair, just never, how was your day? It's good. One, you know, one grunt is good, two grunt is bad. Listen, you know your relationship's not going to be what everything that it could be. Well, the same is true in our relationship with God. Listen, if we can't get past ourselves in our times of prayer, then, then we're never going to experience that flow with God like he wants for us as his children to have. Here's a second hindrance to prayer. Number two is busyness. A second hindrance to, to our, our spending time with God is busyness. And you know, it's interesting for me because as you study the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Bible, which record the life of Jesus, you begin to see this pattern in the life of Jesus that I think is, is so, so huge in terms of how you and I as his followers connect with him. It, it, let, me, let me show it to you. Watch this. Matthew chapter 14, verse 13, it, it says this. Jesus just got some terrible news that one of his cousins, John the Baptist, one of his closest relatives, had just been beheaded. And coming off of hearing that news, look at what it says, Matthew 14. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Man, when, when, a, when a, a time of sorrow and heaviness hit his soul, he withdrew from the crowds and he got alone with God. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus sends out the disciples and, and, and this is kind of the first big time where they go out without him. And they're just preaching the gospel and doing miracles and praying for people. And when they come back, they are on fire. I mean, they're just excited and telling stories and going crazy. And look at what it says, Luke chapter 9, verse 10. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. So they're just going crazy. They're just telling him the whole deal. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. A few chapters before this in Luke chapter 5. 
as Jesus is, is, is right in the rise of his ministry, right as, as the crowds are beginning to swarm and, and, and the, the testimony and the, you know, the reputation of this Jesus from Nazareth is beginning to spread, that this is a miracle worker and he teaches with an authority like we've never seen, that just as Jesus' life was, was you know, his ministry was taken off. Look what it says, verse 15 of Luke chapter 5. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. So this is the prime of Jesus' ministry, verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Here's the pattern that we see in in the life of Jesus in terms of this idea of, of withdrawing from the chaos and the noise, the voices of life, and spending time alone with God. The pattern was this, the busier Jesus got, the more he had to withdraw. And yet, think about our lives. Isn't it true that for us, just the opposite is actually the case? That the busier we get, for many of us, it would seem that the less we withdraw and spend time with God. The the life of Jesus, what he models for us, in terms of his prayer life, his, his time of connecting and being in the flow with, with God the Father, was that the busier he got, the more pressure that was on him, the more the demands of life impacted him and were pounding on him and were resting that weight on his shoulders, the more that increased, the more he had to withdraw and get alone with God. And I just want to encourage us, listen, if busyness is one of those things for you as, as, as it is for me, that will oftentimes keep me from my times with God? Can I just challenge you and encourage you? Don't let the busyness of life hinder you, but instead look to the model of Jesus. And when that busyness comes on, when the pressure comes on, when you're feeling it the most, that's the time where you and I actually need to withdraw even more and in even greater ways. What an example Jesus gives to us that that busyness can be one of those things that hinders our prayer, our connection with God. But the life of Jesus shows us that we can't let that be the case. Here's a third hindrance to our times of prayer. Number three, and that's fear. One of the greatest reasons many of us don't pray is because we're afraid. We're afraid to come into the presence, if you will, of God. Growing up, I had a golden retriever dog named Gracie. And uh, Gracie was just a a good dog and just was awesome. And and we lived on about three and a half acres of land, and there was a big woods behind our house. And I can remember Gracie would go back in those woods from time to time and just get lost. I mean, she would just be back there and you could hear her barking and all of a sudden you'd hear other animals, you know, screeching and clawing and, you you know, it's so like after like all day, you know, we'd be sitting on the back porch and Gracie would come out of the woods around the side of our barn and you'd see her come up and I mean, she was just like covered in mud just head to toe mud and she smelled like skunk and just funk and the whole deal and just just, and I can remember when she'd get to like the the steps of our our back porch coming up she'd see my dad 
And she would like put her ears down, you know, and put her tail between her legs. And she just real sheepishly come walking up like, am I going to get in trouble for this? And I could just remember my dad being like, you know, Gracie, what are you, what'd you get into? You know, he'd take her down and get the hose out, spray her off, you know, the whole deal. And yet how many of us do the very same thing with God? That it's that, it's that fear that, that we look at our life and we look at the messiness of our life and the, the mud that's on our life. We look at the stink that sometimes we can get ourselves into in life. And so when we think about coming and spending some time with God and we think about going to prayer, a lot of us, plain and simple, are afraid. You know, it's interesting because if you go back all the way back to the beginning of time with Adam and Eve, the story in the garden in Genesis chapter 3, we find the very same thing, the very same pattern that's in us was in them all the way back at the beginning of the story. Look what it says. Genesis 3 verse 8 says this, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God. This is after they ate from the tree that they weren't supposed to eat from. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And look what it says. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Adam and Eve looked at their life and they went, man, we don't, we don't, we don't have the confidence to stand before God right now. We're, we're, because of where we've been, because of what we've done, because of the mud on our life, we don't feel confident. And, and I think that's so true of so many of us, isn't it? And man, we, with the stuff of life, the stink of life, the, the mud of life gets on our life, and, and for whatever reason, we allow that fear thing to kick in, and we're like, man, I just, I don't know if I can do this. But as we talked about a couple weeks ago in Hebrews chapter 4, the Bible speaks to this, and do you remember the verse? It says this, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Listen, God doesn't demand that we get all cleaned up before we come to him. God, who is a loving Heavenly Father, says to us, I just want you to come to me. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Jesus said it like this in the Gospels. He said, all you who are weary and heavy laden with burdens, all of you who've got mud on your life, all of you who smell like skunk, all of you who have been into the wrong things this week, come to me. I want you to come to me. Don't be afraid. Don't hide. Come with confidence because when we come boldly with confidence into his presence, that's where we receive grace and find mercy in our time of need. That's when it happens. But so often we can let fear be a hindrance to our flow, our connection with God. There's a fourth hindrance, and it's, it's related to this somewhat, and that is an unclean heart. An unclean heart. <clears throat> See, self-consciousness can hinder us in our times with God. Busyness can, can be a hindrance for us. Fear can be a hindrance. But an unclean heart can be a hindrance for us as well. There's nothing like guilt and shame to clog up the channel between us and God. The reality is we are going to get muddy. We are going to get into some skunks in our life. We are going to miss the mark. We are going to, the Bible word for it is sin. And yet, God doesn't want our sin, even our sin, 
to be a barrier, a hindrance between us and him. Matter of fact, one of the most famous sins of all time is, is when King David committed adultery with Bathsheba. And yet, lunch is ready. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I'm excited about it. <laughs> if it starts to smell like turkey in here, you know, we're, we're good to go. It's good. It's good. There's a good chance something is resetting. And I like that. I like that. Right in the middle of this. This is good. This is good. If we can plan that beep to go off just as he's talking, perfect. Oh, that's the 1015 beep. Great. Uh, okay, can, can we continue? Are we good? All right, good. All right. It probably bothers me than it, more than it bothers you. Um, it's a hindrance, actually. <laughs> How divine. I'll just, I'll just talk with a British accent or something, and that'll keep you interested. David commits this sin with Bathsheba, this adultery thing. And God sends a prophet named Nathan to come and just confront him. I mean, just call him on it. His work here is done. <laughs> what is going on? I'm in trouble. Wow. So we put this clock up here uh, so that I know what time it is, okay? So. Um, just turned it on again. Um, <laughs> let's close in prayer. <laughs> it's, it's just really, it's not worth it actually to continue. What's funny is during sound check, I came out here uh, and I looked and I'm like, oh, check it out, a new clock. Because the other one, the snooze bar had been all busted up and the whole deal. And I'm like, wow, a new clock, awesome. Perfect. <laughs> <clears throat> to hear this message in its entirety, <laughs> come back at 11.15. <laughs> wow, okay. So <laughs> that was so smooth, though. He comes walk, he's just chilling, just walking. I'm all, this is just right here, just click. Done. Wow, it's good to have team. So, uh, so David commits this adultery with Bathsheba. God sends Nathan the prophet to just call him on it and confront him. And, and David's heart is just in sorrow. I mean, just, just overwhelmed as you read the story. But David doesn't let an unclean heart, he doesn't let his sin keep him from God. In fact, what we discover, and in, in Psalm chapter 51, we actually have recorded the prayer of David after he falls into sin with Bathsheba, that even when he commits this just this, this horrible, horrible sin and then has her husband put on the front, front lines of the army and murdered, 
His sin doesn't keep him from God. He lets his sin propel him toward God. Look at what it says, Psalm 51, verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. Can you just unplug that from the wall? Because we'll just take it in faith that I know what time it is. That's not it, is it? Anyway, Psalm 51, check it out. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. It really isn't that. It's all. It's all. Oh, it's got batteries. <laughs> you just gonna lay your watch there? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> okay, so so David says in Psalm fifty-one, how interesting. Verse one, he comes to God. And he says, have mercy on me according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Verse 2, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. David is acknowledging, God, there's mud on my life. God, my life stinks right now. God, I have messed up royally. But I'm not going to let this sin keep me from you. I'm going to come to you boldly and say, God, you got to forgive me. you got to wash me clean. Verse 6, look, surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost places. What's he saying? He's basically saying this. God, I am not going to let this sin separate me from you. But instead, I'm going to let it propel me toward you. And then I'm going to let you do something deep inside of me. Verse 7. Man, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Verse 8. Let me hear joy and gladness. Look at this part. This is huge, you guys. Don't miss this. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Have you ever noticed that sin, unconfessed, Unowned sin, it can be crushing, can it? Far too many of us understand what that feels like, don't we? We understand what, what living with this burden, this guilt of sin on us can do. And that's where David was living, and he says, God, I'm not going to let this separate us. I'm going to let this sin in just, just propel me to the foot of where you are, to your throne. And then, God, I'm going to just confess it, and I'm going to say, God, do a deep work. Trust me, it is in these times where we say, God, I'm sinful. God, I messed up. I screwed up. I missed it. It is in those times often that God does the deepest work in us. But see, it's just like the enemy of our soul to want us to, to run. It's just, isn't it? To, 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 to put that, to make our sin of, well, if, God, if you really knew about me, well, if God really, to put a distance there. But what we've got to understand is, listen, don't let there be distance. If there's sin, that's okay. We're sinful. But God doesn't want us to live under the crushing weight of that sin. He wants us to come to him. And then verse 10, look. David prays, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Renew, renew, renew. 
See, sin doesn't have to be a hindrance to our prayer, to our times with God. We can allow sin to propel us toward God, and when we do, we will find a renewing of heart and spirit that is unbelievable. And then finally, number five, things that hinder or keep us from prayer is feelings of inadequacy. Feelings of inadequacy. In other words, God, I'm just not good enough. Our own self-image, if you will, can get in the way where we don't think we're good enough for God. But the reality is, and the writer of Hebrews says it this way in chapter 10, he says, verse 19, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, not in our own strength, not in our own righteousness, not in our own goodness, but by the blood of Jesus, Verse 20, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain. In other words, when Jesus died, he made a new way for us to get to God. Love that. That is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, he's finishing his statement here. Verse 2, ultimate run-on sentence. Don't miss it. Look, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. In other words, if, if you don't hear anything else, listen, what is, what is this whole prayer thing about? I hope that you will hear this message and you've heard it thread through the entire four weeks of this series. That in and of ourselves, we are inadequate. In and of ourselves, we don't deserve to stand before a pure and holy and perfect God. But through Jesus, he's made a new way for us to be in right relationship with God, for that straw to be unclogged, for this channel to be completely open. Between us and God, Jesus has made a way. So we don't have to let feelings of inadequacy keep us from God. In fact, feelings of inadequacy should push us toward God. Because it's not about us. It's not about our own being good enough. It's not about our own righteousness. It's about Jesus. And you know what? Listen, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know where, what you've come in with today. I don't, I don't know where you're at on your faith journey. Maybe some of us, we've never, we've never started a faith journey. I don't know where you're at. But here's what I do know. I know that we serve a God who desires connection with us. So much so that when he looked down and saw a fallen, broken, sinful humanity caught in our sins, separated from him because of sin, he said, I can't let them stay that way. And that's why he sent Jesus. That's why 2,000 years ago, he sent Jesus from heaven to die on a cross to make a new way, like we just read to open up that curtain, that veil of separation between us and God. He sent Jesus, he said, just, I just, that, way, that way my people can get back to me. That the channel would be unclogged, that the flow would be open between us again. And listen, if you're here today and, and you're not in a relationship with God, you don't feel that closeness between you and God, a couple of thoughts on that. One, there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to get there that we're all too busted up, we're all too broken, we're all too, too flawed, we're all sinners, the Bible would call it. But, second thought, we can get there 
through Jesus. The Bible says very simply, if we'll, in our heart, put our faith in Christ and and the work he did for us on the cross as payment for our sinfulness to open up a new way for us to get to God, the Bible says that he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and wash us, as David prayed, whiter than snow, that, that that is the assurance we have from Scripture. So maybe you're here today, and that's you. You've never been in a relationship with Jesus Christ like that before. You, maybe you have, but you've wandered away from it. I just want to give you an opportunity today to say yes to him, an opportunity to be renewed as David prayed. So across this room, can we just bow our heads just for a moment? Nobody talking, nobody moving around. This is just a private moment between each one of us and our God. If you're here today and that's you, you're going, Matt, that is me, bro. I have screwed up. I have gotten the mud. I have wrestled some skunks. I am far from God. And you just want to say yes to this forgiveness that's available through Jesus, this relationship with Christ. Would you just real quick, just slip your hand up right now. I'm not going to call you out, make you come down front or do anything weird. We're just, this is just between you, me, and God. Thank you. Awesome. Others, you just put your hand up right now. Thanks. Great. Great. Others of you. Great. Fantastic. You just slip your hand up and say, Matt, I, I need that. I need God to forgive me. I need this, a new way to be opened up between me and God. I need to be in relationship with God. Others of you, just slip your hand up real quick. Awesome. Father, for those who have lifted their hands, Lord, thank you that that is enough. That us crossing that line in our heart is enough. And so Jesus, we confess right now, seated right where we are, that we need a Savior. We confess that this sinfulness thing in us is working against us. And we ask you to forgive us. We ask that through Jesus, a new way, a better way would be opened up. That this flow, this relationship might be restored between us and you. So Jesus, we ask you to do that today. We thank you that relationship has begun. That relationship has been restored. That relationship has been renewed in our hearts today. Still praying, I want to challenge every one of us who are believers in Jesus with this thought, which one of these five are hindering us? Which one of these five, self-consciousness, busyness, fear, an unclean heart, feelings of inadequacy, which one of these most of the time is the one that trips us up and keeps us from spending time with God? I just want to challenge us today to confess that, to own that, to recognize that. And then to begin to allow ourselves to push through that in the coming days, to approach the throne of grace, as the Bible says in Hebrews, with confidence. So God, today I pray for each one of us who are sons and daughters of God, who are in relationship with you. I pray today that we would cross a line of commitment in our heart, that we are going to begin to be intentional like never before to consistently spend time with you in prayer. Lord, we need you. We know, God, that we need this flow between you and us to be just a wide open channel. 
So Father, I pray that you would give us courage to consistently begin to change our reality through this vehicle that you've given us called prayer. Lord, thank you, God, that you have given us everything we need to live this life that you've called us to live here on earth. Father, it's in Jesus' name we come to you today and we pray. And all across this room, everyone said,